Welcome to Parenting in Acadia, a podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Today's episode, we have Dr. Brennan Kelly with Rise Chiropractic. He's here to talk to us about children's digestive health and common food allergies to look out for. So welcome, Dr. Brennan. Hey, Sally. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. The weather's beautiful and I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here in the studio. So give us a little bit of background about what you do and maybe a little bit about what you're doing right now. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm, I've recently graduated from Life University in December of last year, 2017. Awesome. And I am setting up shop in Lafayette, my hometown, to serve the families in the community with chiropractic care. Um, I'm a Gonstead chiropractor. That's just the technique I use, but I focus on um, a lot of prenatals and pediatrics. It's not, uh, it's not a specialty for me. I don't have any advanced certification in um, courses like Webster or ICPA. But So I'm here to set up shop and kind of talk about today some, some things that we see very commonly in the practice, mm-hmm. things that I'm sure you'll be able to chime in with as well. Um, My personal story and why I decided to become a chiropractor, since birth I've had digestive issues. Mm -hmm. So I was not able to like keep breast milk down and I had a lot of food allergies and I was unable to really grow and develop like like the average for my my age, right? Mm -hmm. And so my struggle with health for, you know, I'm 28 now, my struggle with health has been a long Uh, road, a long journey, but I was raised to be very health conscious and my mom was always trying to seek out ways to help better my health and Mm -hmm. and get me relief from some of these things. So now that I've been in a clinical setting for several years, I've been able to observe kids who who have had the same issues that I had with relief from their symptoms or being completely fixed of the problem with something as simple as chiropractic care. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that raises a lot of ears and eyebrows like, okay, well, how does, how can you treat digestive issues with spinal manipulation? You know, so I'm, so I'm here to basically set the record straight and tell people what principled chiropractic care is all about and why providing a specific spinal adjustment actually creates a nerve impulse within the body that removes interference between the brain and the body, allowing your cells and tissues to uh, to regenerate, excuse me, the way that they were designed to. Do parents come to you in search for primary care for their child, knowing that their child could possibly be allergic to types of foods, or are they coming to you just for primary care and then you say, hey, I can actually help you with these things, with X, Y, and Z? That's a great question, and the answer is both. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you the ratio, but I definitely have a cohort of people who seek out care for a specific condition or a mm-hmm. symptom, right? And that's when I have to come in and educate them. Well, chiropractic is about holistic wellness. So I'm working with a principle of the body. There's a life force within your body. It's the it's the force that heals cuts without you having to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine if we had to consciously control breathing and circulation and digestion and all of that, like 
24 hours a day. I mean, it'd be exhausting. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing is just working with the ability that your body already has to heal. Um, and then there's the other cohort of people who come to me for wellness or something that they don't even realize chiropractic could help with. And that's when I educate, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, well, listen, you know, I mean, I'm not specifically treating your acid reflux, but if we can remove this subluxation at T4, I bet you that brain's going to be able to better control the stomach and, and the reflux. So that's kind of how that works. So how are parents able to look out for these common food allergies? Sure. I think it's just a matter of education. You'd think that this in this day and age, it would be very easy to educate oneself on just about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the information age, right? I look to the research and the scientifically, the peer-reviewed research, um, especially with issues like this, like the digestive issues. But what I brought here today is a book. It's a great text. It's something I refer to when I educate my practice members. It's by Dr. Jennifer Barham Florani. Mm-hmm. It's called How to Have Well-Adjusted Babies. And it's actually a reference text. So you don't read this thing from cover to cover. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you're looking at it right now. How thick would you say that is? Maybe That's two inches two or inches, something. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a reference text. It's, uh, it's filled with scientific research quotes and, and citations. And everything is, especially in my field, based on deductive reasoning. So we look at what we know right now mm-hmm. and we kind of follow the rabbit hole a little bit. So Dr. Brennan, what are the top uh, common food allergies that you see in children? Sure, yeah, so this this book I've got in front of me, um, Well-Adjusted Babies, states that the top eight allergens responsible for 90% of food-related allergic reactions are milk, wheat, soy, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish. I think that goes in line with what most people probably have already heard to some mm-hmm. extent. Yes. Um, but the, the basic idea here is that an infant, the, the pH of an infant's stomach, so the acidity of their stomach is neutral. Mm-hmm. So in you and I and adults, what happens is when we eat proteins, the acidity of our stomach does two things. It actually breaks down those proteins, it assimilates them so that we can digest them in our small intestine. Mm-hmm. But it also protects us from bacteria and pathogens that are coming in. So our body is really, really smart. It has like this innate wisdom, this innate intelligence, mm-hmm. we call it. It knows that if it keeps the pH of the stomach low, which is a high acidity, that it's going to kill a lot of the bacteria that could come in and, and, and invade us, hurt mm-hmm. us. So that's why that's why pediatricians and a lot of doctors are recommending, like this is all you can do in the first 12 to 18 months because we don't want to wreck their gut. That right? makes sense. Mm-hmm. So these, all of these top eight allergens, the, meat, the milk, wheat, soy, eggs, all that, it's basically proteins, right? right that that go in and what happens is they don't get broken down by the time it reaches the small intestine. Mm -hmm. So that's actually going to aggravate the intestinal lining of of the child. Mm -hmm. And then these proteins that are undigested cross that barrier between the gut lining and the bloodstream. And they actually go into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And when you have proteins running around in your bloodstream like that, that's when you have autoimmune responses, allergic reactions, things that we're seeing that are um, like food sensitivities right Mm -hmm. and then there's two types i think it's it's good that we talk about that so type one is like that anaphylactic uh like potentially fatal allergic reaction where somebody is you you hear somebody who has a peanut allergy a severe Mm -hmm. peanut allergy you have to announce it on the plane right because it's that severe that that would be type one 
Type two is a lot more difficult to observe and measure. Those are the insensitivities that produce vague, difficult to monitor symptoms. It's, it's difficult to draw the cause and effect relationship to these foods that we're eating. But if we're doing it for 20, 30 years and just kind of piling on this stress on the digestive tract, it just breaks down and it doesn't function that properly. That makes sense. Yeah. Are we actually allergic to these foods or are we just hypersensitive? Yeah, great question, Sally. So basically what I was talking about, how the gut lining gets gets like scratched up almost, irritated mm-hmm. from these undigested proteins, that's what's happening. So when you're in a state where your your gut is, rip, is, is ripped up like that, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of foods that are going to come in that you wouldn't normally be allergic or sensitive to. They're gonna cross that that barrier, go into the bloodstream, and now you have this allergic reaction. So let's say you do a, uh, an allergy panel, mm-hmm. and they test you. Well, erect gut is gonna show like 40 or 50 things under the list of like allergic foods. Mm-hmm. I would urge parents to think about the problem this way. Rather than avoid all of those foods, mm-hmm heal the child's gut first Mm -hmm. and then retest them because i bet you only four or five of those things are actually going to show up as real insensitivities or allergies so it's about allowing that gut to heal Mm -hmm. so that the proteins aren't constantly crossing over into the bloodstream Mm -hmm. healing the gut consists of some fasting Mm -hmm. monitored um, that which should be monitored i would not recommend anyone (laughs) just start fasting unless they've really done their (laughs) research Um, but eating foods that are a little bit easier to digest and drinking a lot of water okay. would be a good way to kind of allow the gut to heal before introducing proteins and stuff. So what particular foods would you recommend um, that's Sh- clean? Sure, yeah. Um, I ha- I'm certainly not a nutritionist. I think it's, it's <laughs> I'm a chiropractor. Right. Granted, we do have 120 hours of nutrition in our curriculum, 12 credit hours towards mm-hmm. our DC, a very small chunk of the majority, but... Um, what I learned in my classes from a, a doctor who was a chronic disease reversal guy mm-hmm. through nutrition was that um, water is essential. Mm-hmm. You also want to maybe try like a, a rice protein, mm-hmm. a liquid, mm-hmm. something that you can still get calories from, mm-hmm. um, but not be putting in sugars and starches and refined carbohydrates and mm-hmm. things that are going to spike your blood sugar and irritate your gut um, and, and encourage bad bacteria. I think um, water, rice protein, um, some steamed organic vegetables and mm-hmm. fruits it would be a good thing to do mm-hmm. maybe during a cleansing period, maybe a three to five days, maybe seven days um, to allow the gut to sort of uh, heal and regenerate those tissues. Now, how long do how long does this cleansing of the gut usually, how long should it last or how long should parents do that? For yeah, child. It, I definitely wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't do this without supervision. Okay. Uh, naturopathic doctors who are focused on nutrition would probably be a great referral source for this to have it monitored. Um, or if there is a medical provider in your area that mm-hmm. works specifically with nutrition. Um, now, those would be people that you'd look for in severe cases. Okay. Um, severe cases. I know that there's clinics um, that people with like diabetes and um, blood pressure issues and some more severe things that they've Mm -hmm. been dealing with for their entire lives, they'll go and fast for like 30 days or something. Um, And that opens the door for like the whole ketogenic uh, talk, which is not for today. Right. But I think, I think, um, 
intermittent fasting once a week is a good thing for Mm -hmm. everyone's gut, Mm -hmm. including children. Um, So I wouldn't skip breakfast. I would skip dinner. I would eat bigger meals, uh, good fats, good saturated fats, believe it or not, like Mm -hmm. avocados, omega-3s in the morning with mm-hmm. along with protein, good protein sources. Um, lunch should be a little bit smaller than breakfast. And then if you're going to perform an intermittent fast, maybe eat lunch around 1 or 2 p.m. and then fast until the next morning, 6 a.m., mm-hmm. and eat a big breakfast again. That's kind of how I would do it. Um, now, there's a lot of different techniques and opinions on how to do this, mm-hmm. but the goal there is to give your gut a rest, allow mm-hmm. it to heal. Imagine if you had a cut on your finger and every two hours you go and scrape it again on the concrete. It would never be able to heal, right? right? So the, the point sense. of this is stick a Band-Aid over it, get this, you know, stop exposing it to so much, mm-hmm. allow it to heal, and then go out and start working with your hands again, that kind of thing. Great. So you mentioned cleaning the gut, resetting the pH levels, should parents reintroduce these quote-unquote food allergies to their children? I think so. I think after a cleanse and you've allowed the gut to kind of reheal, regenerate those tissues, um, if you did do an allergy panel before, do it again and see, mm-hmm. and see what comes up. Um, it's important to introduce these things like one at a time. The point there being to isolate the variables. So if you've only had a tree nut, and you have a, an allergic reaction, you know that it's the tree nut that caused mm-hmm. the, the reaction. Whereas if you kind of, the cleanse is over, let's go crazy. And I'm starting to eat like cashews and walnuts mm-hmm. and um, eggs and I drink like a, a, gallon, a gallon of milk. Of milk well, yeah. w- you know, we're not gonna, first of all, that's probably terrible for your health. You're gonna right. wreck your gut, especially coming off of a cleanse where the gut is a little bit more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But um, one at a time to kind of measure the response. Mm-hmm. Um, so adding things back that are a little bit easier, like the steamed vegetables, before you go crazy with like uh, meat proteins mm-hmm. or maybe dairy or, or tree nuts or something that is uh, known to be a, a common allergen. So you mentioned earlier that water is very important to our digestive system in children as well. Of course, and I think that goes without saying, but to really like monitor it and be kind of hyper aware, um, this is where helicopter moms are going to be great. <laughs> so this text that I have in front of me says that many children are frequently dehydrated and suffer constipation and digestive problems as a result. And a way to measure this, a, a mere 2% drop in our body's water supply can actually trigger signs of dehydration like fuzzy short-term memory, trouble with basic math, or even difficulty focusing on like smaller print like computer or maybe something that they're studying. If a kid starts showing signs of that, it could be potentially due to dehydration. Mm -hmm. So trying to maybe up your child's water intake would be a good idea. It's also gonna foster good good gut health. So a lot of issues with constipation, obviously, I think most people know this, are because of dehydration. Mm -hmm. You're not able to um, keep water in the colon, which actually allows elimination to occur. Great. So we covered a lot of different topics today, Dr. Brennan. Um, Are there any specific tips or bullets that you want parents to take out of this? Sure, yeah. I'd love to just mention some wholesome nutritional tips for infants and children just for parents to be aware of. Um, Obviously, you want to be breastfeeding as long as you can. Um, That's going to help the kids 
immune system developed. There's a lot of things in the breast milk that allows for the child's gut to, de to develop properly, and which is responsible for about 60% of your immune system. Mm -hmm. So that goes hand in hand, neither are isolated. Breastfeeding for as long as you can. Once you do start to introduce foods to the children, going organic when, whenever and wherever possible is a great key. It's gonna have, it's gonna be more nutritionally dense food and you're also going to be avoiding some aggravating things like pesticides and chemicals that are really unnecessary and can screw up our guts pretty bad. Um, looking for fruits and vegetables that are in season. So in the winter, we're going to naturally gravitate and feel most nourished by like root vegetables, uh, onions and potatoes. You want to warm the, the food and cook it and serve it hot. Steaming is a really good method over microwaving. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to it's not going to leak a lot of the nutritional value away from right. the food as much as microwaving would. Um, in the summer, we're going to want to look at more fresh fruits and salads naturally. The summer fruits are going to be bought in the supermarkets. Obviously, um, in the wintertime, you're going to not have as much nutritional value in some of those summer fruits. So mm -hmm. trying to stay in season with what grows when is a great idea. You want to choose foods that are whole and simple and as close to their natural state as possible. So the less that it's been tampered with or engineered, the better, because that's how God designed it to be. And God also designed our bodies. So they go hand in hand. As soon as we start manipulating, that's when problems occur. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to focus on warm cooked foods, especially for infants. You want to keep in mind age-appropriate time frames for all foods. So a lot of pediatricians now are saying don't even bring bananas into the picture until like 9 to 12 months of age. They're, it's like a heavy, thick fruit. It, it could affect what Ayurvedic Chinese traditional medicine would call the fire of the gut or the ability to, to produce heat in the gut and digest mm -hmm. food. Um, nutrition experts also suggest that bananas could be mucus producing and that they could cause constipation. I think most people have heard the banana constipation thing before. You want to avoid wheat, dairy, and refined sugars for at least the first 12 to 18 months of life in the, in, in the children. You want to avoid offering too many foods in one meal. So an infant's digestive capacity is, is still gaining strength, so the more plain and simple you keep it, the better. Um, obviously, planning meals in advance is good for both kids and adults. Over, uh, avoid overfeeding your infant or offering them too many food options. Like we said, you want to prioritize foods free of genetic modification, additives, preservatives, and trans fats like hydrogenated oils. You want to focus more on good fats and oils, maximizing the omega-3 intake. If you're going for fish, make sure that it's wild-caught rather than um, farm-raised. Okay. Okay. Regularly offer your child water over juices and soft drinks because mm -hmm. water is always better than those, those sugar-dense drinks. Mm -hmm. Build your child's gut and immune, and immune strength with regular probiotics, which we could throw a couple brands out here in a minute. You want to also build your child's gut and immune strength with regular chiropractic checkups. checkups. So allowing that brain-body connection, especially to the gut through the vagus nerve, through the parasympathetic nervous system, if we can stimulate and upregulate the function there, that's gonna help a child with digestive issues potentially, and that's what I do in my office specifically. And of course, celebrating meals with a child, making food fun, and mm -hmm. I think that's you know a good part of family wellness as well. Great. So you mentioned probiotics. Mm -hmm. um, you want to touch on that just a little bit? Yeah, sure. So a lot of kids struggle with like recurrent ear infections and sometimes even misdiagnosed ear infections um, that 
are actually kids teething. So a lot of times, you know, you, you have the kids that are in the first two to three months of life that are on antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And antibiotics are good because they destroy all the bad bacteria in our mm -hmm. system, but they also destroy all the good bacteria too. There is a certain amount of bacteria that we want in our gut. In fact, if we don't have the beneficial flora, the beneficial bacteria in our gut, mm -hmm. we don't digest our, our food properly. So if you, I had a mentor tell me, that if a child or anyone for that matter goes through a round of antibiotics, so 10 days, mm -hmm. you want at least six months of probiotic therapy following. Wow. I mean, that's that. it takes that's time intensive. to rebuild this. So mm -hmm. it, it almost gets the wheels turning like, okay, well, are antibiotics really truly necessary at this time? Just be aware that when antibiotics go through the system, it's gonna wipe it out of the good stuff too, and you need at least six months of probiotic therapy. Flora Care for Kids by Metagenics is a great brand, so we can look into that. I know doTERRA, the essential oil uh, company, also offers AA. I believe it's a powder form. So mm -hmm. for infants breastfeeding, mom can actually apply it to the nipple before breastfeeding. Okay. Uh, and we can start this right away, like right mm -hmm. at birth. You can supplement the child's system. Mm -hmm. um, if it's an older child, just stick it in some water, mix it up, something like that. They're mm -hmm. not going to taste it. And the doTERRA brand, from what I've heard from a friend, a colleague, actually has been shown in research to um, survive the acidity of the stomach and actually be able to make it to the small and large intestine to colonize. So some of these probiotics that we're taking off the shelf at your regular drugstore mm -hmm. actually don't even do anything because our body intelligently is destroying it the way it's designed mm -hmm. to. So uh, doTERRA has a great brand that also makes it to the gut and is able to colonize. The the probiotic strains found in Flora Care for Kid goes beyond the typical acidophilus strain. So there's actually 500 strains of about of beneficial mm -hmm. bacteria in our gut. The, the Flora Care for Kids actually provides much more strains and have been shown to assist in the treatment of stuff like atopic dermatitis in kids, food allergies, and the boosting of their immunity to prevent like respiratory tract infections. And just restoring that healthy gut flora following antibiotic use is gonna not only deal with like diarrhea and stuff in kids, but just promote general wellness altogether. Great. Two. So Dr. Brennan, how can chiropractic help in this overall health and wellness? Um, like we mentioned today in digestive health. That's the best question you've asked all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been excited for that one. So, you know, like I said earlier, I actually dealt with a lot of digestive issues and still to this day, like growing up my whole life, I was on a lot of pills and a lot of drugs managing all type of symptoms from acid reflux to recurrent inf ear infections. And I mean, you name it, I had it. I've had the endoscopy procedure multiple times, visited multiple gastroenterologists. Mm -hmm. It just goes down the spiral hole. When I finally sought out a chiropractor when I was 22 years old, he told me that what he found wasn't the cause of all my problems, but what he found was significant and it needed to be addressed. And mm -hmm. that was, I had completely lost the curvature in my neck. So you should have a normal C-shaped or banana-shaped curve in your cervical spine or your neck, mm -hmm. right? And so what that's gonna do is it's gonna allow your spinal cord, which is how the brain transmits nerve signals down to the body to control and coordinate all the functions, all the organs synergistically. If there's any tension or torsion on that spinal cord, now we have a problem with, with sending signals down. So that's the chiropractic concept. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has taken a biology class will probably remember the first thing you learn, structure determines function. 
right? Mm -hmm. The shape or the type of tissue that you have is is ultimately going to determine what this tissue is going to do. Mm -hmm. And so I work with that principle. If I keep the structure of the body in the proper position and the proper mechanics, Mm -hmm. well, the function should just naturally flow because that's how we were designed. We were designed to thrive. We were not designed to be sick. Makes sense. So that's kind of how I work with it. When that chiropractor showed me that curve in my neck, after nine months of consistent care, my, my curve was completely restored and I started coming off of my, my medications as a result because I did not have the ADHD symptoms anymore. I didn't have the allergies every year, both seasonal allergies and I was an asthmatic. I was on steroid inhaler. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to take that anymore. I haven't, take, I haven't used an inhaler in six years. I haven't felt wow. the need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not on my acid reflux medication anymore. Mm-hmm. It, granted, I did change my diet as well, like everything we've talked about, but mm-hmm. I'm not overproducing acid as a result of my brain being able to better control my stomach and how much I'm secreting and producing. I mean, the list goes on. I'm, I don't, I'm proud to say I don't take any medications anymore right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't struggle with those issues anymore. And the only thing that I really changed was I got under care the curve in my neck restored Mm -hmm. and my health concerns disappeared as a result, that told me that there was something really, really there and that made me want to pursue a career as a chiropractor so that I could help people with those issues as well naturally without having to rely on medications for the rest of their life. That's awesome. So one more question before we close out. Is it common for you to see infants or um, young young children and their digestive system? Definitely. And again, I'm not specifically treating the digestive system. I'm looking for problems with the structure, problems with nerve flow. I use NASA rated technology in my office to actually assess the nerve system on both infants and adults. Mm -hmm. And I determine a course of care to try to restore that structure in order to restore that function. I have had several infants two weeks old i've adjusted someone three days old yeah please Mm -hmm. go to my facebook page rise chiropractic and you Mm -hmm. can see um a a very gracious mom allowed us to videotape um, a very gentle and specific adjustment to the atlas vertebra on um, her two-week-old child at the time Mm -hmm. and after two adjustments she was able to breastfeed on both sides which took a lot of stress off mom and allowed her to continue to breastfeed which is great for baby's health Mm -hmm. but also baby started pooping the way she was supposed to poop she was (laughs) a little backed up and it was causing gas and colic and irritability and Mm -hmm. uncomfortableness in the baby. So Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff we can take care of just by working with the power that the body already has to function the way it's designed to and heal. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Brennan, for joining me today on our podcast. Um, If parents would like more information, uh, where can they go? Yeah, riseacadiana.com, R-I-S-E. A-C-A-D-I-A-N-A.com or Rise Chiropractic, my Facebook page. You can look that up. Rise Cairo 2018, I believe, is uh, is the URL. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And parents, if you're listening, thanks uh, thanks for being with us. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Parenting in Acadiana Podcast. Bye.